Sukkos, Lessons of the Sukkah. We read in the Pasuk the following words, Kol ha'ezrach b'Yisrael yeshvu basukkos. Every citizen in Yisrael must dwell in Sukkos. Vayikra. This is an unusual introduction to a mitzvah. Mentioning Ezrach, a citizen, a blue blood, is peculiar. The Torah is emphasizing that even important people, the aristocrats, who have belonged to the Am Yisrael since the days of Avram Avinu, they can trace their pedigree all the way back to the beginning of our people. That's what Ezrach means. Even they must dwell in Sukkot. And immediately we learn a fundamental principle about the Sukkah. It's functioning. It's function. One of its functions is to humble people. Even the important ones, those that dwell in big homes, in palatial residences, must move out of their homes and enter into this flimsy dwelling for the purpose of learning humility. As we'll soon explain, that is the lesson of living in the sukkah. The sukkah, as you know, must be a diras arai, a temporary dwelling. It has to be built in such a way that it could be a temporary dwelling. It can be of stone. You could even have a steel sukkah, but you cannot make it of so high a construction that you will be forced to have sturdy walls. If it's more than a certain height, it's puzzle. It's not kosher sukkah because a certain height requires sturdier walls. And we want the dearest arai, something that at least is possible to be flimsy. That's a fundamental halacha of building a sukkah. So we see it's not merely a leniency. It's not merely that the Torah gives you a kula, making it easier for you so that you can get by with a less expensive sukkah. No, dearest arai is not a leniency. The Torah is insisting on a dearest arai. Hashem says that your sukkah must be structured like a temporary dwelling. <clears throat> also, the Torah insists that the schach cannot be reg- a regular roof. It cannot be a bias shall kol hashana, like your home that you use all year long. Even if the year-round roof is made of, gudu- of gudule karka, of things that grow from the ground, which is a requirement of schach, it still won't be kosher for the mitzvah of sukkah. Wooden beams grow from the ground. Planks grow from the ground. Heavy logs grow from the ground. And still, if it's made in such a way that it's permanent construction, like a regular roof, then it's puzzle. It has to be something that is not a dira shel kolashana. So again, we see that there is an insistence on this theme of something that is temporary and flimsy, a dwelling which humbles the one who dwells there. You can't be too important, too arrogant, if you're living in a little booth made of almost nothing, exposed to the neighbors and to the elements. So we see now that one function, one purpose of this requirement, that a sukkah should be a dearest arai, a weak form of construction, is to teach us that we are not as important as we imagined. And while we dwell in that dearest arai, we should remind ourselves of that. You have to get it into your heads on Sukkot. You are not as important as you imagine. And even though you are an Ezrach, an important burger, an established citizen who knows his Yichus and is aware of his pure pedigree, and of course, you have your own palatial home and other things too, still you must move out. 
Say Medirus Keva Veshev Bediris Arai. You must leave your permanent home and dwell in that in that temporary and flimsy hut, Gemara Sukkah. We already see here a purpose in order that people should remind themselves that they're not so important. You're not as important as you think. Now, actually, when you think about Yom Tov in general, you'll understand that every Yom Tov, to some extent, has this function. Three times a year, every male must present himself before the Master Hashem, Shemos. If you'll study this puzzle carefully, you'll see something remarkable. Three times a year, every Zachar, every male, must show himself before the Master Hashem. Now the word Adon, Master, is not used ordinarily when describing Hashem. Even Aleph, Dalid, Nun, Yud is rarely used. Yud, Ke, Vav, Ke is what's used. Now... If the word Adon is used, he is used here, you have to know that it is emphasizing a basic function of Yom Tov. Every Yom Tov, the whole Am Yisrael left their homes. That was the old time system of celebrating a Yom Tov. They all left their homes and went up to the Mishkan in Shiloh and later in our history to the Beis Amigdash in Yerushalayim. And what's the purpose of that trip? To show yourself before the master of the land, to visit the landlord and thereby demonstrate that you are only a tenant. Because the Torah says in Devarim, when you, will, when you will have children and then grandchildren and you become old in the land, you get accustomed to dwelling on your land. You become corrupt. You begin to believe that the land is yours, that it belongs to you. You'll forget that it's my land, says Hashem. That's a corruption of character. And so in order to remind yourselves that you are only a visitor here, you are only visitors here with me, Vayikra. Therefore, you must come on every occasion on the Shlosh Regolim to show yourself before the landlord. It's like a declaration that Kidli Ha'aretz, I am the one who owns the land, Vayikra. I am the Macher here, says the Adon Hashem, not you. And so you see that... It, that is the purpose, the function of all the Yomim Tovim in general, to remind us that we are merely tenants, visitors in this world. Of course, every Yom Tov has more purpose, has more purposes than that. But if it is a Chag of Chag Amatsus, or if it is Man Matan Torateinu, whatever it is, that is only in addition to its fundamental principle of Adon, of recognizing the Master. Because whatever else it may be, this certainly is a function of Yom Tov, to demonstrate that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the owner, Ki Li Ha'aretz. Not only that he owns Eretz Yisrael, but he owns America too. Ki Li Ha'aretz. The whole world is mine. And that's the purpose of Shemitah and Yovel too. You can't sell the land outright forever. Vayikra. When Yovel comes, the land reverts back to, back to its previous owner. He has no right to transfer ownership of the land to someone else permanently. It's not his. Who do you think you are? Kili Ha'aretz, it's my land, says Hashem. You're just a visitor, a tenant in this world. It's not your property to sell forever. And so we see that the purpose of these arrangements is to teach humility. You shouldn't be arrogant and feel that you are here forever. Now, of course, anyone who has a little bit of understanding, anyone who thinks 
a little bit, understands that nobody is here forever. Before Hashem, kneel all those who go down to the grave, to Tehillim. What does that mean, all those go down to the grave? That they are the ones who kneel before Hashem. What does that mean? It means this. It's because we know that someday we are going to be buried in the Afar. You're going to be lowered into the ground one day. That's why we kneel before Hashem right now. If you remember always where, you're, where you are heading, then you'll kneel before Hashem always because you're always thinking about that great day when you'll be standing in front of Him. But most people are forgetful. Most people never think about that. As far as they're concerned, they're going to live forever. Deep down, that's what people think, that they'll be around forever. Only other people die. And therefore, in order to remind us, Hashem gives us certain mitzvahs so that we should keep in mind always that He is the owner and that we are only visitors passing through. And when we come to Sukkot, we understand that these days are especially dedicated to this principle. We move, out our, out of, we move out of our affluent homes into a place where there's almost nothing, a flimsy roof, some paper ornaments hanging from the ceiling, whatever it is. And even though you'll spend money to beautify the sukkah, but it's still nothing like your home. And by taking up residence in your little hut, you're reminded that this world is only a dearest arai, a temporary dwelling. Even the palace where the millionaire lives is nothing but a temporary dwelling. Leave your home and go into the temporary dwelling, sukkah. That's why it's kosher with just two walls and a tefach, two walls and a flimsy roof. That's a very weak protection against the elements. If a cold wind is blowing on sukkahs and you have two walls and a tefach, you'll need an overcoat. And even if it's not cold, the people passing by won't give you much privacy there. You can't sit like a melech, like a king, when you're in a place that has only two walls and a tefach. And all that is for the purpose to let you know that you have a master. That's the purpose of the sukkah. So that we should feel nichna, to let us know that there's an adon. Adon olam, asher malach. He is in charge of the world. Beterem kol yitzir nivra. Before anyone appeared in this world, he was in charge already. And we are just latecomers. We came on the last day, and we are not here to stay for too long. And therefore, we should never forget the great principle of Ger Anochi Ba'aretz. I am only a sojourner in this world. Now, we have to realize what a great disadvantage we are suffering today. And that's because we have all of the conveniences. And in addition to that, we have the idea that we're here forever. Who doesn't think that he's here in this world for the next 10,000 years? Everybody imagines so. There was a man once who moved in next door to me. He wasn't a young man. This new shachin of mine. When he moved in, he put up a big iron fence, a fancy wrought iron fence with a big P in the middle. That was his initial, a big P in iron. A fence like that would stand for a thousand years. The man who owns the house now still has the P on his gate. The man next door has a big fancy wrought iron fence with a big P. The man who made the P, however, he didn't last long. We are a bit 
disadvantaged today. There's nothing to remind us that we're not going to be here for a very long time. And so people put everything that they have into the house, all types of luxuries and, of course, expensive rugs. It'll last forever. We'll be here forever. That's what we think. And that's a very great impediment to success. But in the Midbar, Kadosh Baruch was preparing his people for a career of success so that they should be able to succeed when they would leave the wilderness and go into permanent homes. They needed this preparation for when they would enter into Eretz Yisrael because there would be a very big temptation to forget HaKadosh Baruch Hu when they began to live in Batim Meleim Kol Tuv, houses filled, filled with all good things. And so he prepared them in the Midbar, in the Sukkah, to learn the Midah of Anava. And that's what happened. When they came into Eretz Yisrael and they saw all the plenty that was waiting for them there, fertile fields with luscious fruit and beautiful homes that were full of all good things, they moved in humbly. They moved in to these big, beautiful houses of stone with humility. Ah, they said, Baruch Atah Hashem, it's not ours. Thank you for giving us this. And as soon as they could, they were Euler Regel to Shiloh. To the Mishka. They came to the master and they declared to him, You're our master. We're only tenants. But how long would that last? HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted it to last forever. You should be on the land like the heavens are over the land forever. I want it forever. Only that you have to keep on working very hard to retain that feeling of another before Hashem. You have to constantly remind yourself. So every Sukkot, they reminded themselves. Everyone moved out of his beautiful home that he had found when he moved into the land. He left everything and went into the sukkah, a flimsy little building, and he sat there for seven days. Ah, this is where our forefathers sat for 40 years. And that's how they prepared themselves to remember HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even when they would be sitting in their big, beautiful homes in Eretz Yisrael. And we will also keep that in mind. We'll never forget, they said. At the beginning, that's what they said. But it's a very big danger. You'll have children, and your children will have children, and you'll be long in the land. You're going to be spoiled. It doesn't mean you have to be spoiled, and it doesn't mean everybody was spoiled. Not everybody was spoiled. However, it's not easy. It's very difficult to have conveniences and to remember HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why every added convenience that you get makes it a requirement for you to learn more and more Yirat Shamayim. There's no question that it's a sakana, a very big danger. A rich man has to keep the Mesil Tishadim open on his table at all time because he's sure to fall into the pitfall. It's a snare. Any kind of wealth is a sakana. And therefore the sukkah is a dearest arai, a flimsy temporary dwelling and its glorious opportunity once a year to go out in the sukkah and remind ourselves that we dwelt in the midbar in such flimsy habitations. And we sit there for seven days in order to teach us that kol ezrach, even though you're an aristocrat, an important fellow, and you own many things of your own, still every Jew must yeshvu basukkahs to teach us that nobody has anything. We're only visitors here. And that Kadosh Baruch Hu is the landlord. Now, since we're on this subject, that the sukkah has to teach us this great principle. By the way, that's not the only principle. 
We'll soon see another important principle, but that's one of the very great lessons. So you must understand, why is it that the sukkah cannot be very high? We learned one reason so far, because if it is a very tall sukkah, then it must be built with sound and solid construction, and then it will not be a dearest arai. You can't make a flimsy building very high. It would have to be a strong building, and we don't want to be sitting in a strong sukkah. There's another reason, however, and the other reason is so that you should be able to see the schach, if the schach is high, you won't crane your neck to look at it that way. But if the schach is not too high, you can be sitting in the sukkah and still see it. Laman yedu dorotechem. You should remember when you sit in the sukkah, that what, that's what the sukkah is for. If you sit in the sukkah, but you don't think what it's about, it's a rachmanas on you. The Torah says a reason for this mitzvah. In order that you should remember that we once sat in sukkahs in the midbar. So you see that the purpose of sitting in a sukkah is to remind yourself. So when you sit in the sukkah, immediately the first result should be, you're nichna, you're humbled before Hashem. It's very important to keep that in mind when you come into the sukkah. And one of the most important means of kinia, one of the most necessary demonstrations of kinia, is to keep the mouth closed. You have to be careful what you say in the sukkah. You cannot fool around. You can't joke in the sukkah. No place for litzanus. A Moshev Leitzim in the sukkah is entirely contradictory to the purpose of being humbled before the presence of Hashem. The purpose of the sukkah is anava. You have to be humble in the sukkah. And an anav doesn't open his big mouth. That's what the Rambam says. Le'olam yirba adam bishtika. A person should always produce a lot of silence. Not only in the sukkah, but always. In this sukkah of Olam Haze, where we are, we are only temporary visitors here. Le'olam yirba adam bishtika. You know what that means? A man should always produce a lot of silence. Not just to keep quiet. You have to produce silence. That's what, that's what you have to produce in this world. It doesn't say that you, you should always be quiet. It says, Yirba Bishtika. That means that you have to produce a lot of silence. Silence is an achievement. Now, why is that silence? Why is that silence such an achievement? You're just keeping your mouth closed. What's the big achievement there? And the answer is this. Because silence is another. Silence means that you know that you are standing in the presence of someone. If you're a chacham, a wise man, you won't talk when you when you, you won't talk when you know that someone bigger than you is in front of you. Perke avos, and therefore shtika silence is a golden achievement. To be silent because you know that you're standing in front of Hashem is a greatness of character. Of course, divrei Torah is something else. The Gemara says in Chulin, Ma umanuto shall adam. What is the man's profession in this world? Yase atzmo ki He should make himself like an elaim, like a mute fellow, as if he cannot talk. That is a man's profession in this world. And you have to learn that profession. Just like you go to school to learn how to be a doctor or an accountant, you have to go to school to learn how to keep your mouth closed too. You have to learn that. What's a man's profession in this world? He has to make himself as if he cannot talk. 
It's a profession. It takes a lot of work. It doesn't mean he shouldn't talk. He should make himself as if he couldn't talk. He has to talk, but whatever he says, he is talking like an alien. That means he is limited in what he talks about. You have to say good Shabbos, good Yom Tov. You have to say it. You can't be stupid, a mute mamish, but you have to be like an Elaine. That the Gemara says, Yachol Lechol. I might think that for everything you have to be quiet. Talmud Lomar, Tzedek Tidberun. Righteousness, Divrei Torah, you should speak. Yes, words of Torah you could speak, words of Chesed, kindness, you could speak. Otherwise, in the sukkah of this world, we don't talk. We have to remind ourselves that we are only visitors here. Producing quiet means producing another. And so in Oilam Hazeh, in this great sukkah of Oilam Hazeh, the job is to learn Kniyah. And especially when you enter the sukkah on Yom Tov of Sukkot, it's important to keep in mind the great opportunity to learn this Mida Toiva of, of humility in front of our Kadosh Baruch Hu. And so we'll sum up the first lesson of the sukkah with one word. Another, you're humbled before Hashem. And if you want your sukkahs to be a successful one, if you want your sukkahs to be a successful one, you'll make sure to keep in mind every time you walk into the sukkah, at least for one minute, for the first minute, be sure to think these thoughts. Every, even one minute a day, and you are a great success. Add another minute, and another minute, and you are even greater. Now there is another important lesson that we should be thinking about when sitting in the sukkah. And that is that our only true security is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They didn't have walls around the Machaneh, around the camp in the Midbar. Everyone else, all the nations had walled cities. But the Am Yisrael were vulnerable to attack. And yet in 40 years in the Midbar, they were more safe than at any time in their history. There wasn't a single instance of anybody ever attacking them. And nobody would ever dare. Overhead were the Ananei covered. There was Moshe Rabbeinu leading us. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu was standing guard over the Am Yisrael. And that's the symbolism of the sukkah. That we don't need anything to protect us because Hashem is watching over us. That's why the schach is so flimsy. Because what is the schach a symbol of? The Ananei covered that protected us. We sit outside in an exposed hut with flimsy schach in order to reenact that journey in the Midbar, where we sat for 40 years, exposed to all of the nations and all of the elements. But we were more secure than any other people because we were sitting under the watchful eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the, so the sukkah says, Bitochen. The sukkah says, Amuna. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is protecting us. When a man moves into a substantial home, he thinks his home is what stands between him and the cold. He thinks it's his home that protects him from the rain. But suppose a man is in a sukkah, then only HaKadosh Baruch Hu can, can, can protect him against the cold and the rain. He knows that it's only Hashem. And that's what, and that's what happened. The enemies couldn't do a thing to them. And they were sitting there for 40 years, day after day, night after night, and learning the lesson that Baruch HaGever HaShayiftach BaHashem V'haya HaShem Miftacho HaShem is the only trust of human beings. All else is self-deception. That's the great lesson that they studied for 40 years. They didn't have any fields to cultivate. What would they eat? They should have starved to death in the Midbar. Where would they find food? 
and it fell from the sky. Lechem min hashamayim. It was unbelievable, but that people could exist in a place where nothing grew, even water they could you couldn't find. And who was there? It wasn't one person, one traveling Arab. It was a nation of millions. And it didn't happen for one day. It happened for 40 years. For 40 years, we lived in a wilderness where food and water were not available and where danger lurked at any moment. And yet this nation of millions was protected and sustained. And so, Laman Yedu Dorotecha, we have to sit in Sukkot in order that your generations should know. Ki basukot hoshavti et b'nei Yisrael. That the Am Yisrael were seated in Sukkot. In Sukkot and nothing else. And they, and they were safe. They were still safe. For 40 years. And as we sit in the Sukkot, we're learning the lesson of Bitachon. And that lesson is that even though we do everything to protect ourselves, and you should, you should have locks on your doors. And you should have alarms if necessary. You should do everything. On the contrary, it's a chiv to protect yourself. But while you are doing all these things, you must beware of falling into the trap of thinking that you are protecting yourself. He is the one who fortified the bars of your gates. So you see that there were bars on the gates of the cities. They had bars. But David HaMelech told them, when you are lowering those heavy bars in place and you retire for the night and you feel secure behind the walls of the city, forget about it. It's Hashem who's protecting you. Because He is the one who is strengthening those bars. Otherwise, it's like a man who came into his house and locked the door and went to bed with security. All night he slept soundly. He knows he has a strong iron door, not a plain wooden door. So he slept well. He got up in the morning, walked outside to go to shul, and he saw that his keys were sticking in the door from the outside. He had left his keys sticking in the door from the outside. That's how I slept all night with security. On a different tape, the Rav revealed that he himself was the man in this story. Oh, it was a glorious opportunity, a real lesson of bitacha. And it's always that way. It's only imagination. Of course, you have to do the mitzvah. You have to watch yourself. Next time, don't do such a stupid thing. Don't leave your keys in the door. But it was a glorious lesson. I slept geschmack that night. Oh, it was a pleasure. I was so secure. But it was nothing. It was only a dream. I wasn't secure at all because of my iron door. Certainly I was secure. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is my security. And so when you get into the sukkah, that is one of the great lessons to study. And even though we must do everything, we must guard our health, we must protect our homes, we have to go out and look for Parnassah, yet we are still in the Midbar. It's still man that falls from the sky. The check that your boss gives you every week is nothing but man. The food that you buy in the store, it's a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Not the grocer is handing you the food. He is the one that is handing you the food. All kindliness is from him. Of course, it needs a lot of training to get our minds out of the habit of Gashmias, but that's what's necessary. And therefore, because they had such a hachana, 
They were prepared for 40 years in the Midbar to realize it's Hashem that's doing everything. 40 years of training that Hashem is doing everything. And we are nothing. We don't have any farms in the Midbar. We don't have any homes in the Midbar. We don't have any springs of water. We have nothing. And still we existed for 40 years. We did more than exist. We increased and multiplied and nobody could harass us. We were 100% safe. So now we are going into Eretz Yisrael and we are going to have walled cities and we are going to have stone houses. We'll have farms and orchards and vineyards and everything else. Ah, now we are going to be on guard not to deceive ourselves. We are prepared for this test. That 40 years of living in Sukkot was the lesson that was the Hakadama. And therefore on Sukkot, we have two big tasks that the Sukkot is supposed to teach us. One is the job of learning how weak we are, how unimportant we are, that we are standing in the presence of Hashem, and that in this world, we are only visitors in His Sukkot. We have nothing of our own. We have to work on that and understand that we are living in a dearest Arai, a temporary world, and we are Nichna in this dearest Arai. We learn Kinia, humility, Anava. We keep our mouths closed as much as possible and open them only for Torah and Chesed, especially in the Sukkah. And also in this Sukkah of this world, the Sukkah of Oilam Hazeh, Dalifne Mi'ata Omed. We remember all the times that we are standing in the presence of Hashem. And we're careful before we say anything. And the second lesson we learn is to remind ourselves that our Kadosh Baruch Hu is supplying us with all that we have. Everything comes from Him. Everything. And as you walk to the refrigerator, a refrigerator is a big benefactor. It keeps your food fresh, you think. No, it doesn't keep your food fresh. It's Hashem who is keeping your food fresh. Forget about the refrigerator. It's only a dream. You have gas ranges and they cook tasty meals and you think, what a good thing it is to have such a stove. In the olden days, when they wanted to cook something, they had to build a fire of wood and put over it some bricks. And now look, you press a button and the flame springs out and it starts cooking efficiently. No, that's just a deception. Nothing is being done by the gas range. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing everything. You have a degree, a profession, or you have a store that's supplying you with Parnassah. You have some sort of a business. Forget about it. It's nothing but man. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving you everything. And only HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's how we have to train ourselves. As we sit in the sukkah and learn the lesson of Bitochon in Hashem. Now this brings us to understanding a little bit better the Inyan of Halel. As an example, we will speak about the first Mizmor of Halel. Halelukah. Praise Hashem. Now the word Hallel means specifically something more than just praise. Hallel means to be excited about Hashem. To be excited. How do I know? Because the word Hulal means wild. Amarti laholalim al taholu. I said to those who are jovial and wild, don't be wild. Tehillim. Hallel means to be wild. And the word is what you call Anomatopoetic. It's a word that it expresses itself through the sound of the word itself. Hallel. It's a word of excitement and shouting. 
When people get drunk, they say Hallel, only that it's not to Hashem. They are shouting Hallel, Hallel, about all the wrong things. The word Hallel is suited to shouting. So David HaMelech says, yes, you have to shout in this world. You have to shout with happiness. But to whom should you shout? Hallelujah. Shout out in wild simcha only to Hashem, only to Him. Shout out, in ha- shout out in happiness and gratitude only to Hashem. It means this, if you're happy, then He's the only one to express your gratitude to. He is the author of your happiness. And, Hash- and Yud Hey means an abbreviation of Haya Hove Vihyeh. He is the one who is around always. Yud Hey means being the one that has true existence. We don't have any true existence. We're only imaginary. We're only the imagination of Hashem. Of course, we like this imagination. We want to keep up this imagination for a long time. But still, we're only imagination. He is the one that has true being. And therefore, He is the one who is providing you with everything you have. He is the only one. The word... The words, Hashem Elohim Emet, the Rambam says, it means, Hu levado emet. He is the only one who is really true. We are only a dream that Hashem dreamed up into existence. And so we say, Halu avde Hashem. You who are the servants of Hashem should be wild over Hashem. Tehillim. So your job in this world is, if you're really an Eved Hashem, do you know what your job is in this world? Your job is to halu et Hashem. Halu et shame Hashem. Call out in excitement to give thanks to Hashem. In this world, your job is to praise Hashem all the time, to attribute everything to Hashem. Everything. You have two good eyes? I have two good eyes. You think? I'm born with two good eyes. No. You're not born with two good eyes. You have two good eyes that are given to you every day by Hashem. Every day it's a special gift. Two good eyes. That's how how to think. If you're an Eved Hashem. And you have to say every day, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Pokeach Ivrim. You open up the eyes of the blind. Why don't you say, I thank you that you gave me two good eyes? No. You have to act like you're blind. And now you got two good eyes. Oh, a blind man who suddenly gets two good eyes. He wouldn't say, The Rav mumbled the brocha and laughed. No, he would say it with dancing. He would be meshuggah. He would be drunk with happiness. He would shout. He'd say halel, not a half halel, the whole halel. And that's how you have to say the bracha of Pokeach Ivrim. He opens up the eyes of the blind. And that's the function of an Avdei Hashem. You have to thank Hashem for everything that you have. You have teeth. Most of you have teeth. Don't you? Your own teeth? Ah! <laughs> How lucky you are. You have to thank Hashem for that great gift. Teeth are a great gift. Now people say that's silly. They think, you came here for such foolish talk? You came here to say this? You came here to say, Soydus and Sisrei Toira and Chidushim? But such things, thanking Hashem for your teeth, you can't waste your time with that. But you have to know that's, that, what, that what I'm telling you now is the biggest chiddush, to thank Hashem that you have teeth. And if you don't, then you have to know that you're not an Eved Hashem. Halukah!
Who? Who has the function of Haluka? Avde Hashem. You, the servants of Hashem. Halu Avde Hashem. That's your job in this world. Thank him for your teeth. It's the first time you heard of it. Then you're lucky you came here tonight. Now, why does it say Shem Hashem? Halu Shem Hashem. Shem means whatever we heard about Hashem. We heard a lot of things. We heard that he took us out of Mitzrayim. We heard that he created the world. We heard that he gave us the man. We also heard that he causes the sun to shine every day. Yes, we heard that, the, he, that he causes the sun to shine every day. We heard that he gives us our garments. We heard that as well. And Hashem made for Adam and his wife garments for their skin, to cover their skin, and he clothed them. Bracious. How do you get garments? Hashem gave us garments. Rabbi Sadia Gaon says that, th- that this pasuk means that Hashem caused linen to grow and wool to grow. Why should linen grow? You can't eat linen. If the world is made, made only for animals, like the scientists say, and man is only an accident that came along later, so what do you need linen for? Linen is not something animals can eat. Animals can't eat wool. You know that you don't. Animals don't need wool. So you see that it's made especially for human beings who want clothing. Ooh. Hashem gave garments for their skin, to cover their skin. So it's a nace. It's a miracle that wool grows on sheep's backs. Why should wool grow on a sheep's back? It's a miracle. And therefore everything is the Shem Hashem. It's the name of Hashem. Everything that we hear and see proclaims, it's me, Hashem. His name fills the world. And so you say, The name of Hashem should be blessed forever and ever. How often should you do this? On Rosh Chodesh? Once a month you should say Hallel? No, you should say Hallel, forever and ever. And if you do it in this world, then you'll continue to do so in the next world as well. That's our job as Avdei Hashem. We have to attribute everything that we have to Hashem. If you're able to walk, look how many people cannot walk. How many people need wheelchairs? How many people have walkers or crutches or canes? And you're able to walk. And even those who have canes have to thank Hashem. Even those who have crutches have to thank Hashem. Even those who have wheelchairs have to thank Hashem. As long as you can open your mouth, and say something, you have to thank Hashem. Because there are many people who can't even talk. They know sign language, that's all. And even with sign language, you have to thank Hashem in sign language. At least you have hands to make motions. And so we have our job open for us for our whole lifetime. It's a career for our lifetime. It's not just a figure of speech. Some nice words to make a niggin, and then you forget about it. No, it's a career for your whole life. That's the truth of what Sukkot is saying. That's the lesson of Sukkot. Only that everything else in the world is saying it too. And therefore, Halal keeps on going. It says, From the rising of the sun until the setting of the sun, Hashem's name is to be praised. That means... That there's so much to be said in this world. If you look around this universe, this world and outside of the world, the sun, the moon, the planets, the far off stars, 
There are so many wonderful things for our benefit that there is never an end to this task of praising Hashem. Now, David HaMelech says, I'll skip something to save some time. He raises the poor man up from the dirt. The poor man was sitting on the dirt. He had nothing. And now he is raised up. He became wealthy. He raises the poor man from the dung heaps. A poor man was finally evicted from his cottage because he couldn't pay the rent. So he went and sat on the dung heaps. It's a pile of manure. And it's not a very pleasant place to sit. But at least he's sitting there. He has some place to sit. So he's waiting. And finally, what happens? Hashem seats him with the nobility. With the nobility of the land. So he thinks, how did I get here? Something happened in between. He got busy. He invested. He bought a little business. He got rich. He bought a bigger business. And finally, he's sitting in the palace with all the wealthy people of the country. So what is he thinking? He's thinking, look, I worked hard. It pays to work hard. I got up early. I saved my money. Instead of wasting it, I invested. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, It's you, Hashem. You're the one who did this. That's what happened to this rich man. A rich man is sitting in the palace and he remembers that he was sitting on the dirt once. He was a poor boy once sitting on the dung heaps with nothing in his pockets. And he was thinking, where will I get my next meal from? And today he's a millionaire. So his job is to remember that always, to remember that always, and to say halal to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, me'atav adulam. And it's not only the millionaire, it's all of you as well. Everything you have is only from Hashem. A woman that is childless, Moshvi akeret habayit, a woman with no children in the home. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu made her Aim Habanim, a mother of a lot of children. What does that mean? It doesn't mean a woman is barren and suddenly she has six or seven children at once. No, it didn't happen that way. She was a barren girl when she was 14 years old. She was barren. She didn't have any children. She got married, let's say, at 16. She got busy having babies, one after the other. Now she has a big family, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. And her sons and daughters are married and she has granddaughters and grandsons and great-grandchildren. And she sits at the weddings of her great-grandchildren and she looks around. Huge family pictures are being taken. She and her husband are in the middle. Her daughters and sons are here. Her son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws are next to them. The granddaughters and the grandsons next to them and the great-grandchildren are next to them. It's a tribe. Where did this tribe come from? And she says, well, I was interested in having a big family. No, that's not what she says. She says, you Hashem, it was you. You took a barren woman and you made her. And therefore, I am going to praise you forever and ever. That's how we have to live. If you're an Eved Hashem, then you must attribute everything to HaKadosh Baruch that's what the first Mizmor of Halal is saying. So therefore, Halalu means not only to thank Hashem, but thank only Hashem. And remember always that whatever you have, Hashem gave you. That's what it says. Hashem pokeach ivrim. Hashem mal bisharumim. Hashem matir asurim. Hashem, Hashem, Hashem. Without Hashem, a man would be lying paralyzed in bed. There are so many people lying in bed, they can't even move. 
They have to be turned over in order to diaper them in bed. But you are not that way. You must remember that really, you ought to be, you ought to be that way. It's only that HaKadosh Baruch who changed the situation and gave you the ability to walk and to take care of yourself. And therefore, Hashem Zoykev Kefufim doesn't mean that you were once bent over. You were a cripple, a hunchback, and then by a miracle he straightened you out. No, you were always straight. But you were straight only because Hashem straightened you out. So as you walk in the street with a straight and erect stature, and you see somebody walking like this in the street, the Rav bent himself over, you should think, if not for the Chesed Hashem, that would be me. And therefore, you have to praise Hashem all your life for everything. That's our big job. Don't think that you'll do it once in a while and then you fulfilled your obligation. You have to remind yourself all the time about this career of yours. Be on guard always, lest you forget Hashem your God. And that's what Sukkot comes along to tell us. Remember what you once didn't have. You dwelled in Sukkot. And now, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you Batim Toivim, beautiful and spacious palatial homes. He gave you an Eret Zavat Chalav Udvash. So forever and ever in this blessed land, your function is to do one thing. And that is to say Hallel always to Hashem. Hallu Avdeh Hashem. You, the servants of Hashem, forever and ever, that's your job, to say Hallel to Hashem. But if you neglect that, if you aren't Avdeh Hashem in this sense that I explained to you now, let's say you keep the Torah, but you forget to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for all that He gave you. So then it says, Tachat asher lo avalta et Hashem elokecha besimcha ubetuv levav merov kol. Ay, ay, ay. Tachat, instead, asher lo avalta et Hashem. You weren't Avde Hashem, Bisimcha Ubutuv Levav Merov Umerov Kol. Then you went into Gullus, where you didn't have anything. And now you look back and you're reminded of what you were remiss in doing when you had everything. So when people are still young and still healthy and you still have Parnassah and more or less things are going well, it's your job to use the lesson of Sukkis, to be constantly aware that Akalaj Baruchu is showering you with numberless gifts. And therefore, we have to say Hallel all the time. Not only during the set times of tefillah. We must say Hallel all day long. Tov lehodod lehashem. Lehagid baboker chazdecha. Ve'emunat chabaleilus. From the morning till the evening. And all day in between. That's the job of an Avdei Hashem. And this is one of the functions of sitting in the sukkah. So for a little while, we retire from our palatial homes and we sit in the dearest Arai to remind ourselves that soon we'll go back to our rugs from wall to wall, to our telephone, to our air conditioner, and to every kind of convenience that we have. But we should remind ourselves now, while sitting in the sukkah, where we don't have all these things, and soon we are going back and have them again, that it's Halu Avde Hashem. And these ideas we spoke about tonight are the two big functions of the sukkah. One is to learn to be nichna at all times because we are aware of the presence of Hashem and that we must keep our mouths shut as much as possible and produce as much silence as we are capable of producing because of this awareness of Hashem. And the second is to produce bitachon 
and to be aware that Hashem alone is the one that is giving us everything. And therefore we are going to thank Him and be His servants always. And that's called Avoida, the gratitude that you express to Hashem all your life and all day long. And the person who uses the sukkah to remind himself of these two great principles is making use of the Yom Tov in the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu planned. And that's the person who Hashem loves, the one who will be Zoycha to stand before him when he finally leaves this dearest Arai of Oilam Hazeh and say, Hashem, I learned the lesson of the Sukkah and I used the world to become aware of you and to sing to you just as you intended. Have a wonderful Yom Tov.